Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Rhodes and it is a delightful chat. Um, we talk about some incredible records. Um, we find out what he grew up listening to, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't what most other kids were listening to at that point, um, but it's fantastic. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a real lovely natter, this one. And before we get on with it, a few thank yous. Um, I'd like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast who produced this episode, so um, go check that um, podcast out. It's called uh, Blue Murder Club, and it's a true crime podcast, and it's wonderful, so go check them out because they produce this podcast for us. Um, also, big love to uh, my homie Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. And if it's your first time listening to Off The Beat and Track Podcast, then welcome. Um, it's lovely to have you here. Um, we're over 500 episodes in, so you've got loads of catching up to do. And um, all I can say is go have a look in that back catalogue because you can hear conversations with the likes of Blur, Suede, The Killers, The Foo Fighters, Motley Crue, um, it's, it's a huge back catalogue um, so go and explore that after you've listened to this uh, wonderful chat with Rhodes um, everything else you need to know about this podcast there's a Patreon that accompanies it so any support over there would be hugely appreciated and yeah and you can find out about that and everything else at the website which is nice and simple off the beat and it's not beaten off the beat and track podcast.com I think I'm done with all the kind of pre, pre-chat chat, so let's get on to uh, the good stuff. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Rhodes. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Rhodes, how are you today? I'm really good. Yeah, yeah, I'm great. It's um, very much feeling like a Monday morning. Lovely. Lots of chaos. Lovely. Lots of technical difficulties, but well, um, yeah, we we got there. Oh, we're going to have some calm now, and we're going to have some uh, some nice chat about music, and uh, and we'll kick that chat off, Rose. If you uh, if you can tell me, please, what you regard as the song that has the greatest ever intro, please. So this was a difficult one. Um, but the one that came to mind and one of my favorite songs ever written is Chris Isaac, Wicked Game. And the song is just so iconic 
um, it's hypnotizing and haunting and you're just in the song straight away. Um, and um, yeah, I just think, you know, whenever this song comes on, you're just kind of immediately drawn into the moment of the song. And the intro is also really long. Like you kind of expect it to end halfway through the intro, but it doesn't. It just keeps going and it just kind of weaves through the chord progression, which kind of stays for the whole song. It's just like three chords the whole way through, I think. And that guitar just carries you um, in hypnosis yeah. through the whole song. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's 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 my pick. That's my that's my my pick for the best intro ever. <laughs> it's a it's a really gentle and beautiful start to a ridiculously beautiful record. It's just that little kind of that. I, I guess Chris Isaac was very much kind of influenced by sort of like that kind of sort of late fifties sixties rock and roll. And, yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know, you're probably way too young to remember this, but because um, that was written for a film. That was, was it written for a film? Okay, I didn't realise, I knew it was in a film and that's when it got its big kind of moment. Maybe it wasn't written for that, but I know that on the, the cover of the, the, the seven inch of it, it is yeah. the, the artwork from the David Lynch film, Wild at Art. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it definitely, if it wasn't written for that, it, it got, global exposure because of that you know and uh, it's like it's it's funny with moments like that because it's almost like they were meant to be you yeah. know if it wasn't written for the song like you just said it, if it wasn't written for the film it kind of the universe allowed for that to happen and just yeah. kind of made sure that that song existed for the film absolutely um, but yeah i was reading an interview with the guitar player of um of chris isaac's band who kind of came up with the the lead sort of the slide guitar thing. Um, and it was just super interesting because he was kind of talking about how a lot of the songs would have these very simple chord progressions. Um, and then the vocal melody would sort of like evolve throughout the song and he would sort of try and pick out parts of the vocal melody and, you know, try and basically weave these guitar lines into into a lot of the songs that did exactly i mean this is the best example of it but it just um yeah being a guitarist myself and growing up trying to learn how to write guitar parts um yeah it's just it's genius it's really genius i think the guitarist's name is james wilty um but yeah genius absolutely you, you mentioned that um it's a long intro and and I'm interested to, to to get your kind of take on this. Um, back then, when uh, you know Chris Isaac would have released that, that that record, the way that people would consume their music was 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 far different to how they do now. And you could be yeah. more generous with the intros and such. This is pre Spotify and pre TikTok and all of these things that have kind of become more accessible means for for. For, for people to access music now, but it seems very fast paced and very, mm. there's no fat on anything. And, and I'm not suggesting that there's fat on, on, on the intro to, uh, to wicked game. It's, it's as close to perfect as it gets. But what, what, where I'm going with this is when you make music, do you, how much of these kind of trends and, 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 and ways that people are accessing music now in these rapid, attention spans now how much of that 
filters through into your creative process? That's a good question. Um, and something I think about quite a lot, because I, th I think you can't really help it sometimes. It just, it's at the back of your mind when you're, when you're writing. Um, and it shouldn't be, but it's just a subconscious kind of new layer of the creative kind of journey when you're in the session or when you're in the studio making a piece of music. Um, I just did, um, I just finished an album and the mastering engineer kind of rang us and was like, oh, is that, there's a little bit of chat on the beginning of one of the songs. It's like a part of the iPhone demo recording we did of the very first kind of thing. We thought it'd be fun to put it at the beginning of the song. And the mastering engineer contacted us and was like, oh, I think you've accidentally left a bit of chat on the front of the song. Uh, do you want me to remove that? No, that's, that's meant to be there. That's, that's intentional. Um, but everybody is now considering that. And I think, you know, middle eights are my favourite thing in writing a song. I love writing middle eights. Um, right, quick often, question often, then. Quick question. Yeah. What's the greatest middle eight? Oh, my God. It really putting me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> let's circle back around to that. I need to think okay. about that one. Um, so, yeah, that is a really good question, though. Um, but I think like with middle eights, often you think you've written a chorus and then you're like, nah, it's a middle eight. <laughs> and you have to write another chorus. Um, but people are not not putting them in songs anymore and they're not putting intros on songs and they're, you know, not doing a double chorus at the end. Um, I don't know. I just, it's difficult. I don't know how much, I don't know how much people really think about that. I think when it's, when you're listening to music on social media or you're flicking through TikTok or something and, it, that is all immediate, but that's not a, that's not really a music listening experience, is it? It's like you're just consuming content. But I think when you listen to a piece of music, you still want to go and listen. You still go and seek out your favourite songs and your favourite artists and you want to listen to it. There was that wicked um, Michael Kiwanuka song that wasn't on the last record, it was the one before that, um, Cold Little Heart. Mm. And the intro is so long. And there's a beautiful live version on YouTube where they're just weaving around that intro um, forever. And he gets the slide guitar out and there's some guy on the Mellotron. And um, and it's like, you know, there's, a, there's still an appreciation for it. But yeah, there's definitely an element of that kind of little voice in the back of your mind saying, don't bother with an intro. Don't bother with a middle eight. So yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, but I do try not to let it creep in too much because that's when that that's a dangerous um, area to go into because you start overthinking stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you now to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Sure. So this was funny because I was trying to think whenever whenever I'm asked a question, you know, what's your favourite song or what what you know what's your what makes you think of this? I always try. And, I'm always, I always almost like self-filter and try and make it a cool answer. But really, this is the honest truth. And it was Whitney Houston, I Would Always Love You. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, it was that thing that, you know, even, even when I'm thinking about the song now, I'm just feeling really nostalgic because it, it was like a, a back of the car kind of thing. My mum was probably listening to it. My mum and my dad were probably listening to it. And I was in the back of the car really young. I don't actually know how old I would have been, but I would have been super young, um, below 10 for sure. Um, 
and just like feeling incredibly emotional. Um, obviously, lyrically, it's ridiculously emotional. And and, and then this, the, the, the film as well, there was definitely a, a moment where I was kind of up late and, you know, I've got like a vague memory of being at a kind of party. My parents would go to these parties and all the kids would sleep in the living room or something and the TV would be on. And I feel like this movie came on, The Bodyguard came on at one point, at one of those things. And it's it's difficult because you don't you don't understand why a piece of music is making you feel a certain way when you're little. Um, um, and I, I've got a little son, he's six, um, Louis, and he listens to music now and it, he's really feeling something when he's listening to certain pieces of music. And, and I remember that. Um, I remember listening to this song for the first time and just feeling really sad and probably thinking about the girl I had a crush on at school or something. And it's like the weekend and the weekend is so long when you're a kid and you've got two whole days of not seeing this person and you're just like cruising up the motorway in the car or something. Your mum's put on Whitney Houston and you're gazing out the window wistfully feeling nostalgic about your, your crush. But yeah, so that's it. That's the song. I mean, <clears throat> it's uh, obviously it was a, a global hit. I think it was number one in the UK for about four or five weeks, and yeah, and and obviously it's the uh, you know a, a record that wasn't even necessarily a, a hit for Dolly Parton, and and I think yeah. I know she's she's come out many times and said like that record really helped pay off the mortgage, and, uh, and yeah. I'm sure when you got Whitney Houston, I mean it, it's. It, it, I, I guess at the time, being the age that I am, when 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 Whitney Houston was releasing these sort of records, it was like, yeah, I'm not really into this sort of stuff, and uh, I'd, I'd kind of sort of found my tribe a little bit, and and was was sort of getting into other sorts of music. And it's only in hindsight yeah. that you, you you listen back and you you know you, you you sort of dig a little deeper, and and it, I guess in the wake of her death, you watch documentaries and such, and her voice was fucking ridiculous. It was just yeah different level wasn't it and yeah it was phenomenal and and i think working with the producers she did to just kind of market it outside of of i i, I guess the, the the traditional r&b market and she just took it global mm -hmm. and and i thought it was you know to sort of have these sort of huge because essentially they're they're power ballads right yeah you know, all of them yeah. tracks, like I Have Nothing and Run To You and all, you know, um, I'm trying to think what the other ones were, Greatest Love of All, the George Benson record, like, um, Save Me, they're all essentially just power ballads. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it wasn't really until stuff like um, It's Not Right, But It's Okay, is that what it's called? It's Okay, But It's Not All Right, that one, um, mm. and stuff like that, that I think she, you know, you could really hear that, the influences on her career then and, and, and the stuff that she grew up in, you know, singing in the church and stuff. I think that really come through in, in, in the later points in her career. And then yeah. I guess just as she was getting into her stride there, things started to kind of get a little bit bleaker really, which was, you know, yeah. a, a, a real shame. Yeah, but for sure. Incredible um, voice. Yeah. And I think like the whole kind of tragic end to Whitney Houston's journey kind of further enhances that heartbreaking Absolutely. element of the song now as well. Um, 
but you're right yeah it's definitely a power ballad and i i think it probably started my my love of power ballads and that kind of over the top vocal thing she does um but yeah such a beautiful song and i kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole listening to there's loads of different live versions of it as well um that i started listening to my wife was like why are you listening to I will always love you. <laughs> Why is this the tenth time you listen to us? I'm there. Different versions. I'm not going completely mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's loads of beautiful. Um, there's loads of beautiful live versions of it, and I think obviously a lot of the time with those records, I guess what was that? Probably like early '90s or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they were one takes. They, there was a bit of editing going on. There was a bit of like vocal chopping and chopping things around and stuff like that. But a lot of those documentaries you watch the producers are like no she just went in and sung that yeah that's that was her just singing the song yeah um and now we do 50 takes of a song she's the best bit of each line and not always but i think you know there was a magic to that kind of raw organic um sort of yeah uh analog kind of way of recording music and just it hits you it's great absolutely tell me about the song that reminds you of your time at school please Right, so this one, it's not a song that came out while I was at school. It's actually a really old song, which was a part of my my best mate's dad's record collection that we raided when we were probably about 13. Um, and it's by Bankle Wishbone Ash, who I think are from Newcastle. Mm, um, you're right. And it's a song called Jailbait, which is a questionable title, actually, thinking about now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's like, you know, at the time I was listening to a lot of blues, I was learning the guitar um, and I'd, I've been playing guitar since I was really little, but um, my dad got me into a lot of blues stuff. And I think, I don't know if it's got something to do with like having parents who are musicians and what, my dad's a guitar player and he wanted to get me into all the things he loved. So he was on, I was on like Robert Johnson and, Sunhouse and Lead Belly when I was 10. Um, so kind of finding all of that like British and American influence, like obviously blues influenced the early incarnations of pop music. But then you started getting all the prog bands and things like that coming through. And Wishbone Ash were like, what I found, what what was fun, what, why it reminds me of school is because I would spend hours and hours every single day after school coming home, going up to my room and learning the guitar parts and playing along and probably looking in the mirror whilst I was doing it. But it was, it was this song that had this like crazy dual lead guitar part in it. And me and my me and my my best mate had a band and we knew this other guitar player who was like just. A, one of those virtuoso kids from school who just can play anything. And we learned all of these, um, we learned all of these Wishbone Ash songs together and we would just set up our amps, turn them up as loud as they would go and play these dual harmony solos together and stuff. And it was just so good. And it, it reminds me of that like excitement of being at school, finding the thing you love and just feeling desperate to, 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 to do it and to get out of school and go home and, and learn these songs and, and try and you know and imagine that you you're there imagine you imagining that you're that person and that you're on stage playing these songs um it was a lot of fun um yeah so it kind of really really takes me back 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. To just being a teenager and wanting to, wanting to be on stage. I love that. I love the fact that everyone's at school listening to S Club 7 and that weird kids learning Wishbone Ash songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny because I did listen to very different music to everybody else. Um, but it was, I was kind of accepted for that. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like everyone knew that I played guitar and everyone was kind of interested. Everyone was listening to Garage and drum and bass and stuff yeah. and smoking weed and I was listening to the kinks on my headphones and... Yeah. wishbone ash and it was fun it was good it was a good time um did you enjoy school then uh no no i didn't i i think i i think i got through school because of music um i found school really difficult i have adhd and i think you know most people with any kind of neurodiversity or you know it it, it, it was difficult for me I couldn't really apply myself to it yeah. at all. Even even with music lessons, um, I never took music lessons. I never took guitar lessons or anything. But music music GCSE, I didn't do music GCSE because I just couldn't get my head around the theory of it all. And that's of course what you're graded on. Yeah. And I think even at, even at like the young, I think you you're very young when you're told to choose your subjects. And I think like um the thought of failing at the one thing i thought i was pretty good at was too much for me so i just i just avoided it avoided that but i would spend all my lunch times in the music rooms i would spend all my after schools in the music rooms and going home and playing music and i think yeah it's it's quite weird when you think about it and school's basically just hanging out with your friends yeah um so looking back on it i think i did have a really good time but yeah. in the moment it, it was difficult for me. Whereabouts was school? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in um, a little town called Baldock, which is just um, about 30 miles north of London. So it's in Hertfordshire. Um, so I went to school in Baldock. Uh, we moved around a little bit, just in the kind of surrounding towns and 
kind of different things. I went to college in a town called Hitchin, which is a great, um, a great town. And they've got really sadly, they've got, a, it's going a, isn't right it? now they've got an, Club 85 is going. Yeah. So that was where <clears throat> we would, we would be there every, every, like every, I think it was Wednesdays and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we would just be in there jam nights, watching our friends' bands or we'd be playing with our bands. Um, and so many great musicians and people have come through that venue. Um, but it's sad, it's very sad to hear that it's, it's going. Um, because it what that was a great place to grow up, and I think musically that was the hub. Absolutely, it's a wonderful venue, and it's 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 a, it's a real real shame that um that, that I, I still remember. Uh, I don't know if um this guy is still the house engineer, but I just remember him telling me every single time I played, he was like, "Turn your amp down, turn your amp down." <laughs> and he was like, "We haven't even started soundcheck yet, and you need to turn that amp down." <laughs> I was just like, "Well, it's supposed to be loud." It's meant to be loud, but then like, you know, you do the gig and then you like sneak up on stage and turn it up again to where it was. And then you just like watch a video back and you're like that. And then that does sound awful. <laughs> you, know, you can only hear me. Typical. Okay. Tell me the first song you ever buying from a record shop, please. So this is quite cool actually. Cause um, I didn't, uh, my, 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 my Mimi, my French, French grandma, she, she was pretty awesome. Um, sadly, she passed away last year. But this was a cool memory that I unearthed whilst I was thinking about these questions. But she, um, I think I was probably about nine or something like that, or maybe 10. Maybe it was my 10th birthday. So I just started playing guitar. And my dad, for my birthday, got me like a tape deck so I could like record myself playing guitar. And my Mimi took me out and to, it was like a tape cassette deck. And my Mimi took me out to David's Music in Letchworth, which is a town near where I grew up. Um, and it was like, an, that was like an independent record store. Don't, I don't know if it's still there. It might be. Um, and she bought me two Blur tape cassettes. And I'd not listened to Blur before. I don't really know why she bought those for me. <laughs> I don't know if they were on offer or something. Um, but one of them was Modern Life is Rubbish. Um, and it had the song For Tomorrow on it, which was the first track on the album. And I just remember hearing it and just being like, wow, this guy sounds a bit like me and kind of is singing these sort of songs that are kind of fun, but also emotionally vulnerable. And then that song's got that kind of like um, almost playgroundy la 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 and i think that probably played into it a little bit but i just remember just listening to that record on repeat for for weeks and weeks and weeks and i've still got those cassettes somewhere yeah. um and yeah i just i still think it's funny that she bought me those because it's like what it wasn't children's music yeah it wasn't kids music and they weren't like new records either i reckon she must have gone in and they were on offer or something and yeah um yeah she was like i'm gonna get you these two tapes i can't imagine her having sat there listening to blur yeah <laughs> she maybe she did i don't know can't ask her now sadly but i like to imagine that she probably thought i'm gonna get him into blur yeah um but yeah that was definitely the first like physical thing i had um from, That's a from great a place store. to start yeah 
yeah um and still remain to this day a massive blur fan i didn't get to go and um i didn't get to go and watch them when they played their um their shows recently but um yeah i, I just think that they're, they're so they're so brilliant and obviously damon Albarn is like um I, I, I was doing an interview with him recently it might have been part of that zane low thing but it was basically saying um Basically, saying like people know him for for Blur, but actually he's been in Gorillas for longer than he was ever in Blur, and um, before you know, before they reformed, and sold way more records with them. Oh, it's probably sold. God knows, mo- so yeah, many it's, more with it's, it's crazy because I, I still yeah. completely associate him with Blur. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 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 so cool that he's had some. You know, he's one of those kind of dream collaboration people that I I would love to one day um try something with him or you know be just be in a room with him absolutely um, yeah he's wicked i think at the moment where he's still just so prolific with, with, with you know with what he records and such you know I, I i think we need to really cherish it because you know there was periods in bowie's career you know through the, the sort of 90s and, and the late 80s where he was kind of a bit forgotten and, yeah. and and people weren't really interested in what he was putting out, but people are always interested in what Damon Albarn's been putting out for the last twenty five years. Um, and he's yeah. still got that level of interest in what he's doing, and he's still pushing yeah. the boundaries of it. Whether it be the Marley music, whether it be Gorillas or or, or or Blur, you know, the recent Blur album, a massive progression from you know uh, from from the previous record. I, yeah, I, I think he is very Bowie-esque. I think he's just constantly reinventing himself in the sand. Yeah, and, yeah, a, a, absolute legend. But all of that aside, Modern Life is Rubbish is still the greatest album he's ever made. I love that record. Yeah, like, it's, it's such a great record, isn't it? It's it's beautiful. I was really lucky. I got to see him loads around then. That that kind of dropped when I was like nineteen, and so we'd we'd travel around and see. And that wasn't a huge commercial record, uh, Modern Life. It wasn't until sort of it was sort of post Leisure, and it was obviously pre uh, pre Park Life, and, and and they kind of weren't a, a huge band then. So you get to see them in these like really yeah. sort of cool little venues, and uh, and and yeah, just a- absolutely fantastic record, uh, Modern Life. And I think it was. With leisure, I think they were just sort of tagging on the, the sort of baggy thing that was happening, kind of post mm. roses and stuff like that, and hadn't really got their identity. And I remember seeing the first sort of press shot of of Damon, like in you know in his five hundred ones with with, with turn ups and his cherry reds on, and and a Fred Perry, and it was like, whoa, they've got a look here, and and it looked yeah. so different, like from what any other band was doing. You know, at this point, everybody's looking over to Seattle. That was what was happening everybody was like wow what's this amazing music coming over from america and then basically you had modern life these rubbish era blur and suede that were basically so fucking london and yeah you know and it, and it was just such a contrast to what everything else that was going on and and like i say it was when sort of park life dropped that it all obviously then sort of went stratospheric but when you heard for tomorrow and then kind of you know, you mentioned sort of like the childlike melody with the la la la's at the end of that, yeah. and even you know the the something as spiky and as short as advert, but it's still such a good pop song and Chemical World and Sunday Sunday. And could you see the comparisons and and the the influence from 
you know, you said earlier you was listening to the kinks and stuff like that on your headphones. Could you hear that? Oh, this is like that. Yeah, because there's 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 that kind of like like you say it's um they were so like Londony and just the accent and a lot of a lot of people were kind of singing in a lot of music that I heard when I was young and a kid was like very American yeah very Americanized and kind of um um. And I think with, with, when I first heard Blur, it was it was, what, it was when I really heard somebody who sounded a bit more like me. Yeah. Um, and and definitely, um, I, I, I definitely came through to like the Kinks after that. Um, after I heard that. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think it's it's you know they're wearing their identity on their sleeves and they're not trying to hide who they are. Yeah. Um, so I think that was super important actually in in connecting with it as a kid absolutely absolutely tell me the song that's planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Soundtrack your years clubbing. Yeah, the clubbing thing. I, um, I mean, it probably doesn't surprise you. I, <clears throat> I'm, I've never been much of a clubber. Yeah. But um, I, I did have some some uh some amazing years when kings of leon were the were just the band and it was like my version of clubbing was like the red heart in hitchin which would but they did club enemy there and stuff like that yeah. and they had um there'd be bands playing but then you know kings of leon the bucket was the song um and i think we were just all kind of <clears throat> in our late teens um, or early teens, uh, you know, pub, just, just getting into the pubs yeah. and like trying to, trying to get served and, and, and hook up with people and all, all the lads would be wearing like the skinniest spray on jeans and our <laughs> hair would be like hair sprayed out. And we'd all have like leather jackets on that we bought for like a tenner from Camden and, it was just like that song is that um he kind of like whoops at the beginning of it yeah. and it was just like everyone in the pubs just like Ooh! um and i just yeah that 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 really soundtracks like a specific summer to me and it reminds me of like partying and just being out with my mates and just like i remember like people would be like piling out the pubs uh in hitchin there's like the pubs we used to go to there was like two right opposite and one closed later than the other and everyone was leaving one of them and just like walking down the street singing Kings of Leon. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so fun. It was such a fun time. Um, like completely reckless and, and lots of silly behavior, but it was, yeah. yeah, it was definitely like that song. Whenever it comes on now, I'm just like, ah, oh, such good times. And a good intro. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I guess it could have worked for question one. But yeah, no, it's, it's great. We're talking a lot about home, so um, 
I, I guess this works nicely uh, to segue into track six, which is a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, a, a singer called Bill Fay. Um, and he's like a British um, singer-songwriter who was quite, I guess, quite... Um, he started to rise up in the in the 70s, early 70s, I think. Um, and he had a song that was um, that I definitely heard before. But when, when I started to connect all the dots and I was just thinking, um, you know, I don't know where where I don't know where this guy's from. And like I, I kind of heard this song. I think he might be American, but then I found out he wasn't. He was British and he, re he released an album um, a few years ago. I think he's like well into his late seventies and it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Um, and he's very secretive. He's very private and, um, he, he doesn't really play shows and he doesn't do like live performances, but he did one live performance on Jules Holland and it was, um, is he had a few like rules and one of them was like, no one can be in the room apart from the cat, apart from one camera person. So he, he just did it in, he did he did a performance with Jules Holland where it was just him and a piano in in a room and the song was called never ending happening and it's just one of the most beautiful songs i've ever heard in my life um and yeah it's um it really it really affected me and i sent it around to a bunch of people that i know and songwriters and stuff and they were like have i have not heard this song yeah. um so it was just yeah a real re revelation and also just like the songs themselves could only have been written by someone who's lived, who's like really, you know, got to that stage in life where they're, you know, in their late seventies or seventies and just kind of like, there's always almost like, <clears throat> it was almost like he, he, he had a message for, for younger people and was just like, you don't take this for granted. This is like, you're part of a beautiful world. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a line at the end of the song, um, uh, the lyrics here it's um so i was looking at them earlier um oh the never-ending happening of what's to be and what has been just to be a part of it is astonishing to me yeah and it's just it's just so beautiful and i think the live version i mean the, the, the recorded version is beautiful but the live version um the jules holland performance is is so hypnotic it's just one like quite long kind of eight eight bar piano loop the whole the whole song is just this thing but he's playing it with like his arms crossed over and it's just yeah it's 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 amazing um so yeah it was cool finding out that he was kind of from around around yeah. where i was and you know my dad grew up in like in like watford and had heard of him and um and it, yeah it was cool fantastic fantastic yeah right this is the last track and uh, and this is where you get to play uh, Tastemaker. And uh, it's a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Yeah, so this is this is one um, actually by my beautiful wife, Natalia Salter. Um, and do you know what? One of the most amazing things about living with another songwriter is that I get to hear it all unfold and <clears throat> listen to these songs as they're kind of being made and created. And... I think it was during the pandemic we were just messing around and we were obviously we were just stuck indoors and writing and 
bouncing ideas off each other. And then one day she was like, I've got this idea for a song. I don't know if it, it's any good. Can I play it to you? And she just played it live in, on the guitar in, in our flat. And it's called A Million and One. And it's just such a beautiful song, well-written, beautiful lyrics, lovely hooks. Um, and I was lucky enough to be in the studio and play a bit of guitar and help her record it. Um, and I think, you know, I know so many wonderful, talented, incredible musicians. And I think the most important thing is, is great art and great expression. And I think ultimately that will always have its moment. Um, so whenever, whenever I can, I always shout from the rooftops about, about her and what she's up to and what she's doing. Um, and this song in particular, I think is a beautiful example of, of, of what she does. Fantastic. Well, we've spoken about so many people's music. Um, it feels about right that we should actually talk about your music, right? And, uh, (laughs) and so, uh, What's happening? Tell us what's 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 going to be um, happening this year. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, we did an uh, I'd put an album out in February this year, um, and it was it was crazy because I'd had this huge long journey of between album one and album two. It was just a crazy journey of different different things, but a lot of kind of struggle, just trying to get through. Uh, like writing a second album and not not necessarily because I couldn't but I think perhaps there was a few toxic relationships happening and different things were going on um, and it ended up being an extremely long process so when it came to putting that record out it was almost like I was already on to the next thing so I put an album out in in February but I'd also I'd also already finished the third kind of album as well so what's been really lovely about, about this last year is feeling busy again and having released an album in February and then almost straight into a campaign for another album. Um, so we've released a couple of songs already, just put one out on Friday called How I Love You. Um, and so, that, so that's been really exciting. And I, I think the album's going to drop um, in sort of early next year. So we're, we're doing like... We're doing like, you know, singles with like six weeks in between, six to eight weeks in between. And just kind of like, yeah, just putting, putting new music out. So it feels really good. Uh, I feel, it just feels amazing to be reconnecting with with people again. I did um, a headline tour earlier on in the year around Europe. Um, I just came off the road. I was doing some touring with Christine and the Queens. Fantastic. Which was amazing. Um, What's that like to that get whole- to watch that show every night? so so inspiring i mean not 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 only is it is it like nothing i've ever seen before uh in terms of like a gig it's not really a gig it's it's a theater performance it's it's like you're you're, it's like you're watching a yeah it's like you're watching a play a play in some moments and I, i really i really feel like red is you know a true visionary um what he's doing um and I think, you know, being on the road, it was weird because I was just playing, I just rocked up with my Telecaster and kind of did the whole thing. I was like, right, I could eat. And I don't want to go with a band. I don't really want to do anything like too over the top. I think like when you're a support act, you just got to get on there and keep it short and sweet and just make make it as unintrusive as possible. 
um but it worked it really worked so it was it was just yeah the the, the crowds were really kind of appreciative of the music and weren't necessarily there just to sort of get on it and party it wasn't it wasn't no it wasn't that kind of thing so that was really good so yeah i've just been reconnecting with 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 the audience and and getting out there putting new music out getting back out on the road um it's all very very exciting um done a few collaborations i just had a collaboration come out with camel fat who are a brilliant um kind of i guess like edm kind of um duo and they're you know grammy nominated and whenever i get to work with people like that it's kind of like you know it's, it's sometimes you can feel a little out of your depth and a little bit like you know sure should i really be here but then you gotta just seize those moments because what what they do is is so is so beautiful and it's analog and it's kind of their new album's brilliant and i'm yeah very honored to be a part of to be a part of that i wrote a couple of songs on that as well as the one i featured on so i'm doing quite a bit of writing just with other people um so yeah busy very busy fantastic well what we'll do is um we always put together a spotify playlist um that includes every track that we've spoken about today and obviously we'll we'll put your music on there and put the collab uh with camel fat on there as well so people can go and uh listen to everything that we've spoken about today and if those people want to keep up to speed with with all things roads where's the best place to do that Best place to keep up with with me is probably Instagram. That's kind of my main my main hub for information. Okay. Well, if it's cool with uh, you. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Sorry. I think I think it's at Rhodes Music. I think that's just it. So Instagram is the the handle is at Rhodes Music. Wonderful. Well, if it is cool with you, then um, we'll tag you on this uh, when this episode comes out. So if people aren't following you already, then they can do so nice and simple. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Wonderful stuff. Rhodes, it's been an absolute delight talking records with you mate thank you so much yeah same same man thank you so much for having me i I really appreciate it and it was um yeah it was a lovely chat thank you absolute pleasure i'm gonna press stop but don't go anywhere there you go Rhodes. what an absolutely delightful chat that was um as mentioned at the beginning um now you finish this chat go and explore the back catalogue because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes all to be enjoyed totally for free um and if you explored all of that and you still want more then why not go and have a look at the patreon because there's hundreds of radio shows available over there and unreleased episodes there's also um you get to watch all the episodes over there because i upload the videos uh, of these conversations as well and uh, and you also get to come to the monthly live chat which we do on zoom and we do a little live episode and you can come along and and you can get involved and feature on off the beaten track and it's a it's a really lovely thing we do once a month so uh be great to uh to have you over there um but thanks all you know so much for listening today um please if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast drop us a little message let us know what you think of um of off the beaten track anybody that you think would be a good guest why not let me know i'm available on all the socials facebook twitter um and instagram so uh yeah come give us a follow give us a share a love, a retweet, you know all the stuff. Uh, And in the meantime, be nice to each other, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.